Welcome to the audio podcast of the sermons from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. For more information on First Reformed, go to edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page. Light is something that we can very easily take for granted in our day, isn't it? Now in the past, the source of light would have been obviously the sun by day and a bright full moon during the night or a torch or a lantern that you would have to light. Now, we are really, really spoiled when it comes to illuminating pretty much anything in our time. In most places, you can easily find find a switch that you will flip and on come the lights and it will make any room brighter than it could have ever been until the advent of electric lights. We experience lighting that is unlike anything that would have happened prior to that. And you know how spoiled we are by this because of what, well, at least I do, and I'm assuming other people do, when the lights are out. I can't be the only one who walks through a room that is illuminated by candles or maybe a camping lantern that you have, you walk into the next room and the first thing you do is try to flip on the light even though you know the lights are out. And by the smiles I'm seeing in the room, I'm not the only knucklehead that does that, right? We all do that. It's ingrained in us that we should be able to flip a switch and a light will flood the room. Now, we not only have this expectation for the switches on the walls, but now Most of us carry a flashlight everywhere we go through the magic of that little glowing rectangle that many of us own, right? The magic of the smartphone. If you need to see something better, what do you do? You unlock your phone, you swipe down from the top, and hit the quick toggle for a flashlight, and boom. doesn't even take five seconds. You have light wherever you are. Once again, this is so common, we actually take it for granted, A week or so ago, I was heading to bed, and the battery on my phone, I think, was at 3 or 4%. Now, I quietly made my way into the room, trying not to disturb my wife, who was already slumbering. I unlocked my phone, I swiped down, and hit the quick toggle for the flashlight. And instead of light, I got a cute little message that said, I was not going to receive the light I needed because the battery was too low. Now, This created an interesting and, if you think the way that I do, humorous dilemma because the reason I wanted the light was to be able to plug it in to charge the battery. Well, instead of having that always accessible flashlight for me, I had to fumble in the dark, find where it was, and I did did get the job done. Everything turned out okay. But it was just a reminder for me of how much I take light for granted, how much we all kind of take light for granted. And it also reminded me how important it is to be able to see in the darkness. Now our text for today talks about light and the importance of making sure that this light is not hidden. And we've all sung the song related to this illustration that Jesus gives. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Now, we're not going to only be looking at this idea of light, but also connecting it to where we were last week in Luke and to the other part of this passage where Jesus talks about who his mother and brothers are. 
And so we come away from this passage today with three pretty clear points to work with. So as we process through these six verses today, we'll be looking at these three things. The first one is that Jesus compares his followers to a lamp. Once again, we're pretty familiar with this idea. We've been singing about it since we were young children. As I pointed out in the opening, we know the significance of light, and it's easy for us to see how this applies to us as believers who go out into a dark and dying world. Secondly, we see Jesus talking about the responsibility that we have as light. We have seen some difficult statements from Jesus, and this one is one that we should add to the list here from Luke. We are to be good custodians of the word, this word that we have heard, and we're not only to, and we're not to simply keep it to ourselves. And finally, Jesus tells us how important it is that we not only hear the word, but we do what it calls us to do. Now, we understand the significance of this. It's one thing to understand something intellectually and to agree with it. It's vital that we don't just do that. It's vital that we hear and we do. We hear, believe, and act upon it. So with those checkpoints through our passage for today lined out, let's get into verse 16 and our first point. Now, this is just one verse and one sentence. But it's loaded with truth here, isn't it? And it's an easy-to-understand illustration, isn't it? Imagine that you are a first-century person and you can't just walk into a room and flip a switch or swipe and tap to illuminate a flashlight. If you needed to light a lamp, you would not go through the effort of getting the lamp, ensuring that you have fuel, and then just putting it under a jar or under a bed. Remember, they needed to have the oil for the lamp, and they also would have needed a means to light it. All things that we take for granted, because we can do all of those things relatively easily. We have modern stores where we can swing by and pick up some oil if we need it. Easy, relatively easy thing to find. And we have mass-manufactured matches that don't cost us much money, or we have one of those nice aim and flame lighters that we can light a lantern with, no big deal. It's easy for us to think that this would be a relatively simple thing for them to do, to light a lamp. Now, I'm not saying it was the hardest thing in their lives in the first century to do this, but I'm drawing out that it's not as simple as our imaginations would probably make this idea of a lamp or a light be. It's not as clean and easy as we think it is. So as we think about this, I think it's important to draw out that these sources of light that would have been primary for them are are now decorative things for us, right? You might have a lamp like we're talking about, um, and it's on a shelf in your house decoratively. You may have never even lit this lamp. We all have candles in our home, but they're probably there for scent that comes out of them more than they are for light unless the electricity goes out. And when we burn these types of light sources, we probably do it with our super bright electric lights on at the same time. 
And if you're like me, when the electricity goes out, you're probably a little surprised by how little light these things actually do emanate in your house, even in a pitch-dark room. As you play a card game or a board game waiting for the lights to come back on because you can't do anything else, you might have several of these flame-based light sources around you, and you're still leaning in to look, okay, what card do I have against it? They don't emanate that much light. And so you would never light one of these lamps to illumine a room or an area and think, hey, I went through all this effort to light this lamp. I spent the money on the oil. I found a way to light it and then diffuse that light in any way. Why would you put it under a bed or under a bush? You've just gone through this effort. It would be a waste of money, a waste of effort, a waste of time. Instead, you put it someplace where the light emanates in the room. And so the idea that Jesus puts out here for us is that this light is not just for the person with the lamp. You put it on a stand so that those who enter can see the light. It's meant to be seen by more than just you. In other words, if the room is dark and you have a light, you aren't just going to hoard the light for yourself. You naturally make sure that that light goes out that it helps other people see because you are living in a dark world. Now last week, we saw Jesus use a parable that spoke of a sower who was sowing seed, and that seed was the Word of God. There, there we got a detailed explanation of that parable, right? But here we don't necessarily need a significant explanation from Jesus on this parable because Jesus is clearly still talking about what he was talking about last week. He's still talking about the word spreading. And those who follow him, they are to let this light shine. They're to let it go out. And so we get this illustration and we would probably still get it without our expansive knowledge of the song, This Little Light of Mine. It's a pretty simple illustration to understand. Very easy, actually. In a dark world, we know and we understand that the word that Jesus is bringing to us is a light that not only helps the world to see, but also to expose what happens in darkness. If you don't want to be seen, light is not a good thing. As much as we appreciate what light allows us to see, if we don't want to be seen, light becomes a problem, doesn't it? And the implications here is that the Word of God and the message of Jesus is light, and it is far-reaching and has several applications for us. But we see here that Jesus is drawing out this idea of the exposing effects of light as we move on to verses 17 and 18. And our second point here today, as Jesus lets us know the responsibility that we have as those who are bearers of His light. So we see Jesus drawing out what I just mentioned. Light has an exposing effect. And the implications of this statement is just how bright the light Jesus is casting is, right? His light is bright enough. His light is powerful enough that all that is hidden will be made known. And the implication here is that this will not only have an effect in the here and in the now, 
But if Jesus is who he claims to be, and he is judge of the living and the dead, then not just the obvious stuff will be made known, but literally everything will be exposed, he says. This word of God being proclaimed by Jesus, this light going out, is the truth, and it's the standard against which everything will be judged. So if this is true, and it is, then this has deep and far-reaching implications for you and I, doesn't it? We need to be deliberate in how we hear God's Word. And this is truly a hard word for us to have to hear. We understand that we are a blessed people to have access to the Word of God like we do. Think about this. We, we have a freedom to gather and to hear the Word of God read publicly like many people even in our day do not have, like many people in history never could have imagined. In fact, we're so used to it, we sort of almost blow it off. It's a common thing for us, right? We kind of expect it. And we maybe even take it for granted. And we have access to God's Word in a way that people never could have imagined in the past. We have several excellent English translations from the original language that we can pick up and read. In the early church, parchment would have been expensive and rare. And if you, even if you could have afforded to have a copy of God's Word somehow, or if it was even available to you, you would have needed to have been literate. Now, we all likely have multiple copies of Bibles in our homes. We probably have more copies of the Bible in our home than we could remember off the top of our heads, right? Again, something people even just a few hundred years ago, would not have been even able to fathom. And now, let's take it even further. Let's add the access that we are able to have to God's Word digitally, or even audio versions. I think you understand what I'm driving at here. We have been blessed. But with that blessing comes understanding the gravity of what we have received, of what we are hearing. Let's look at what Jesus has to say here. For the one who has, more will be given. If we hear the Word, it will do its work, Jesus says. We will grow in faith. And for those who don't have the Word, even if they think they know who Jesus is, that, that does not take root here. And it does not grow them in faith. If you, if you have the Word... It does its work. If you do not have the Word, there is no growth. Now remember where we were last week with the parable of the soils. This is important. Seed grows in the soil where it lands. The seed was cast wide. It went everywhere. And where did it yield a hundredfold? Where the soil was best for growth. And so this is a continuation of that idea. This is the same thing that Jesus is saying. Remember, our verse breaks, our paragraph breaks that we see in our English Bible aren't there in the, in the original languages. In fact, the punctuation isn't even there in the original languages. So we need to understand that this is all one story, all one thought. It's all flowing together. And so we need to be feeling what Jesus is saying here, that this is a continuation of the idea of the good soil 
growing up the seed that is planted there. So the seed of the Word has been sowed in your soil. So the question is, what are we going to do with it? And again, this is a hard word for us to hear. What are we going to do with the Word? And not only are what are we going to do with the Word, as I pointed out earlier, we have the Word in abundance. We hear it all the time. What are we going to do with it? It isn't just that we have a few seeds here and there, that a couple seeds that were sown with the Word of God landed close to us. We have seed flung around us all the time. We have the Word in abundance. It has come to us gratuitously. So will we be those who hear and do, or will we reject what we hear? Will we think that we are wiser than God? And these words of Jesus come to our ears. And it's important that we stop and we evaluate ourselves. How does God's Word fall upon my ears? What soil am I? Are we hard to the Word of God? Or are we rich soil? Are we fertile soil where it can grow within us? That Word can spring up from us and we bear fruit that will be yielded a hundredfold like Jesus talked about. These are important and difficult questions for you and I to consider as we move on to the final section of this passage and we continue to see the gravity of our hearing and doing the Word as we look at verses 19 through 21. So as we progress through this passage to these final three verses, Luke tells us that the mother and brothers of Jesus come to see Him. And this part of the story does two things for us. Once again, we see just how popular Jesus is. We've been seeing this throughout the book of Luke. Luke is driving this home for us. Now, I, I struggle to imagine this scenario that we have here, that they can't get close to Jesus. How substantial must this crowd be? Now, now the text says that his family is standing outside, and so they must have been in a home or perhaps a synagogue But we find here that the word comes to Jesus that his family is looking to see him. And so we feel here as we read this story and as we picture this story in our minds that the crowd must be substantial and and that the people must be clamoring to see Jesus. They're pressed in up against him again. And they want to be close to him. And the people won't just let Mary and his brothers move in closer. Now regardless of the circumstances that keep Mary and the brothers of Jesus from getting up to him to talk to him, Jesus uses this situation to continue making this point about the importance of hearing and doing the word. That's the second thing we see here, that Jesus is driving home what has been said in the parable of the soils and in this illustration about light, and now he's driving home the point even further. The statement here made by Jesus is not one to say that, hey, My earthly family doesn't matter. Forget them. All that matters is those who hear and do. That's not his point. As He says the ones who hear and do the word are his mother and brothers. That's, That's not his point. This isn't a shot at his family or earthly ties here. 
Instead, Jesus is making an important point. What he's doing as the anointed one of God, as the Messiah, is more important than his relationship to his mother and his brothers. There is a tie that binds, even tighter than earthly family, Jesus is telling us. There are those who are in the family of God by the grace of God, and those in that family are those who not only hear, but also do the word of the Lord. And they are bound together by the grace of God, tighter than earthly relationships. They have been united to Christ, and so they are united to one another. And that is a tight, binding relationship. And this relationship is deeper and wider than earthly relationships because it involves those from any earthly markers of relationships. Because it's by their relation to Christ that they're family. But once again, we we have to see how Jesus identifies who these people who are His family are. It's those who hear and do. And so, we are drawn back to the story of the parable of the soils once again. Those who are the family of Jesus are those who have the seed, land on fertile soil, and it grows. It's those who bear fruit. And again, this is, this is a difficult word to hear, isn't it? We naturally stop, and we do a personal inventory when we hear statements like this from Jesus. Am I good soil? Am I one who not only hears the Word, but does it? Am I in the family of Jesus? Am I closer to Him than His earthly brothers and mother? These are great questions for us to ask ourselves. But our answers must always be rooted not in our effort or our ability, but in our reliance on the mercy and grace of God that is at work in our lives. We know that we can't merit salvation by our own works. We know that we are dead in our trespasses and sins and no amount of good works can bridge that chasm that our sin has created between us and a holy God. If we're trying to create a bridge to God by our own effort, we are not hearing and doing the Word of God. Because the Word of God calls us to repentance and to trust not in what we do, but instead trust in the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. And we rely on the truth that Christ lived for us, died for us, rose again for us, and has ascended to the Father's right hand for us. When we hear the Word and acknowledge our inability to save ourselves and trust in Christ alone to save us, we are those who hear and do. When we understand that God has saved us and He has made us a part of His family, we continue to be those who hear and do. And when we hear God's commands to turn from sin and to serve Him and and we let our light shine and we repent because of the grace that God has shown us in Christ, when we do those things, we hear and we do. That's what we do as those who are the family of Jesus. We are a people who daily and wholly rely on Him 
and His mercy and His grace. We hear that Word and we trust that He has saved us by His grace. And that leads us to love and serve our neighbors because of what He has done for us. And so as we close up this passage, we come away with what I think are two very clear applications for us to consider as we step out into the world this coming week. The first one is to hear. The Word of God is what is used by God to build us up in faith. We have seen here in Luke the last two weeks that it is the seed and it is the light. It is to be spread and it is to permeate the world. And as I mentioned, it's very easy for us to take the Word for granted just as we take for granted the idea that we can flip on a switch and the light comes on. We can come and we can hear it without anyone trying to stop us. We have multiple copies of the Bible and maybe even two or three different Bible apps on our electronic devices. But it is vital that we remember that hearing, hearing is an active thing that we do. In order to truly hear the Word, we must pay attention and we must desire to conform our lives to the words that we hear. And so as we consider the words of Jesus this week, and, and as it is brought to mind for us in the coming week, may we continue to actively hear God's Word. And may we trust that God will use the hearing of this Word to grow us in faith and cause us to shine His light in this dark world. And that's our second point of application, to shine. When we hear the Word of God and we do it, we show that we are a part of the family of God. And those who have been saved by His grace, we can't hide that light of God's grace under a basket or under a bed. Instead, we are called to let our light shine. And we do that by proclaiming God's Word and letting it permeate the darkness. This is how we are doers of the Word. We go into the world with the story of God's grace. That grace that has been shown to us in Christ and we let that light out because it has been lit within us by the grace of God and it can't be covered up. And so may you and I daily pray for and seek opportunities where God will allow our light to be spread out into the world. Because God has placed us as His people in His world to be His servants. He has made us good soil. And so may our light shine out into the world that He alone might receive glory for the saving work that He has accomplished in us, His people. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Edgerton First Reformed. For more information on First Reformed, navigate to our website, edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page.